after about 10 years, what we began to see is the, the strongest development tool we have are referrals. People hearing the story or being friends with another giver and that giver telling the story. Yeah. And, and so, so really we're just extending invitations to people to join the partnership and we're willing to tell the story. It's really not sales in the sense of trying to convince people of anything. You know, we really think it's God's job to do that. Hmm. But it's been, um, it's been really amazing to see how the referrals work. Hey everybody, welcome to Next Donor. I'm your host, Andy Jones. On Next Donor, we gather practical insights from nonprofit leaders on what it takes to grow your organization and donor relationships. Next Donor is brought to you by Roundtree. I lead Roundtree. We help organizations improve their communications with donors. We create a customized plan and do all the work to execute it. We make it possible for your organization to improve relationships with existing donors and acquire new ones through clear, consistent, and creative communications. Find out more about us at roundtreeagency.com. On today's episode, I get to talk with Jeff Latour, who is chairman of the board for an organization, a nonprofit, called Strategic Resource Group, known to many simply by their initials, SRG. Now, he's a board chair, and that's why I'm talking with him, because I want to get the perspective of a board chair. But his day job is leading the sales and marketing efforts for Barnhart Crane. He helps people lift and move some of the heaviest and most complex components you can imagine. But that also translates into his work with SRG, where he helps a small group of donors move significant resources into the most complex places in the world. So we're going to talk with Jeff uh, about what is it like to be a board chair, uh, what makes for what's the role of a board chair, and what's the relationship like between a board chair and the founder, which is part of the dynamics at SRG. I just wanted to give you a heads up that there's a couple of moments in today's conversation with Jeff where the audio kind of goes out just for a quick second. I just didn't want you to think something was wrong, like with your AirPods. They're fine. Jeff, uh, internet connection became unstable for a moment, and that's why it happened. And I could make a joke about how Jeff lives in a small town in southern Alabama that has bad internet and all that good stuff. But I won't do that because I'm the better person. But in any case, here's my conversation with Jeff Latour. Well, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, So, Jeff, we want to talk to you about your role as the board chair with SRG. But first, tell us about yourself. Where do you work? What do you do? Yeah, well, um, where do I work and what do I do? Well, I've I've worked at the same place and basically done the same thing for 26 years. <laughs> You're a simple man. <laughs> which, yeah, which, which makes it a simple story. No, um, I mean, I think I think you and probably a bunch of others have heard of Barnhart Crane and Rigging and yep. um, the story of the Barnhart family. And um, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm connected to that story. So I've been with Barnhart Crane and Rigging since 97 and joined them uh, when they were very small and I was very young. So, <laughs> uh, 
in the in the area of sales, although I am an engineer, you know, it's very pretty technical business, so um, yeah. suits who I am. But but joined to help grow the business basically when it was very small and um, you know, but had had a great purpose and has a great purpose. So that was really the big motivation is that my wife and I were looking for something that would um, kind of fulfill that need to, to, to give. We had our own ideas um, that we were pursuing, but God really honestly redirected that and brought us to Barnhart and connected those dots. So I've been there ever since. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm one of the senior leaders and sales and marketing is my functional area. Plus, I have my fingers, a lot of other things, including yeah. our giving. Okay. No, that's great. Uh, I think uh, it's it's becoming more rare these days to find somebody who has a tenure like yours, you know, one place of employment. Uh, it's it's very it's very true, and I'm not real sure what to think about it. I look at a lot of resumes that come through, and to see the one-year, two-year repeated five times is a little is it's a little hard to analyze, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's a whole nother Uh, story. But so we want to talk to you about SRG and, you know, I'm familiar with it because of of you and others, but um, maybe let's just assume the people who are listening aren't familiar with it. So, so what is SRG? Well, SRG, I, I would refer to it as a, a collaborative giving model. The idea being that um, in, in the same way that people, I would say, collaborate or combine their resources to in, make investments like into mutual funds mm-hmm. um, and rely on experts to to go deep into those investment opportunities, understand the landscape and develop portfolios of projects that fit a specific investment strategy. Um, SRG does the same thing, except the investment is a kingdom investment in, in our case, the Middle East or now the greater Middle East. So we are a place where high capacity givers can effectively join our partnership and pool their money with the money of others uh, to fund a variety of mutual funds uh, focused on various geographies and sectors uh, within the Middle East. And, um, and we've been doing that since 2006. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. How did you first become involved with it? Yeah. Great question. And everything has a story to, to, to answer something like that. So in the company, um, as you know, we're, our company purpose is to glorify God through giving people an opportunity to do constructive work, but also create resources to give to the kingdom. And the, our company gives in hard places, which for us turns out to be what's commonly referred to as the 1040 window. Yeah. Um, and early on, my area of responsibility, if you want to call it that, the um, place that, that I was supposed to help the company and make kingdom investments was the Middle East and tried to do that alone. <laughs> so if you just stop and think about that for a minute and think um about going to the Middle East and trying to find opportunities for Christian uh, philanthropy, uh, investment in the gospel in that part of the world, um, it's really difficult. And yeah. and I, I tried along with a couple of other people for five or six years, and we built a handful of relationships. 
Um, but it never really, I could never get comfortable with recommending significant giving because I didn't understand it and couldn't figure out even when I found something, what would come before it or after it. But anyway, the long, long story short, along the way, um, uh, uh, one of the people that I met eventually became connected to SRG when SRG was about to launch. Uh, a guy named Ron Ensminger, who yeah. had been with Middle East Media and then Sat7, had joined Paul Schulteis to start this idea called SRG. Um, and he came to me, you know, no, I mean, we had invested with them a little bit and he wanted to present the model to me, um, which is what I just described. And when he did, pretty quickly became partners um, in 2006 when SRG started in its, kind of its current form. Okay. That's great. Uh, well, yeah, it sounds like God and his providence brought a lot of things together there. Um, so Very much so, yeah. Yeah, so you talked about these pooled funds from high-capacity givers. So SRG is investing large sums of money uh, into ministries in hard-to-reach places in the greater Middle East. So how do you do, like, due diligence, you know, to, to know where these things should go? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great question. And, and um, it, it has turned out to be substantial amounts of money in total, but it's given, um, it's not given, well, I mean, there's some large grants or small grants, there's a whole variety of things. Um, some are, are uh, emerging ministries, some are what we would call blue chip, you know, well-established and, and doing great work. Um and not unlike in, in investing in a mutual fund, each each fund has a, a manager. That manager mm. um, educates themselves on um, on the area, the the state of the church, the uh, population of ministries and churches that already exist, and then and then ships um, with, both with those ministries, but also also with experts. Um, you know, in, in lots of fields. So there. So what we do is use what we would refer to as portfolio consultants or a fund manager, if you will. That's the focal point of of using research and relationships, um, and and formal due diligence, you know, around finances and other things yeah. to um, to build that portfolio. They they start with a, an articulated strategy to the current situation. And then look for ministries that populate that strategy, build relationships, and and then invite proposals and do the um, do the due diligence. Our due diligence, quite honestly, I think we we have a reputation for being a little tough. Um, <laughs> I, t- tough, probably not the right word. Very thorough. Yeah. Um, there you go. So it, and we we like to think that that thoroughness helps ministries improve, and it's yeah. all. You know, it's there are varying degrees of what you're able to get depending on the, you know, the maturity of the ministry. But uh, yeah, but it's a relationship. So we walk them through it. Well, that's that's a, a helpful thing. So you know, you, you get a you get a glimpse into a lot of faith based organizations that are working in hard parts in the world uh, through your thorough process. Um, and I guess if you were you know speaking to a room filled with nonprofit leaders. Um, 
you know, you've come across a lot of issues in nonprofits, and I'm sure that over time you see trends in uh, issues that tend to be more common. So like if you had the opportunity to speak to a room filled with nonprofit leaders, like what are some organizational issues you wish they would uh, maybe address more in their sector? Um, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot like business, you know, I mean, organizations are just groups of people and you tend to have the same or really similar issues repeat in, in ministries. Ministries are often started by a, a, a passion, a single passionate person, or maybe a couple of passionate people, Yeah, which is wonderful. God, God gives them that passion and certain gifting and, and that that turns into a calling that, you know, that, that, that they just drive forward and and, mm-hmm. and accomplish things. But as they scale, uh, they tend to run into to problems of governance, um, maybe a bit of um, the entire organization centered around them. Not 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 intentionally, but but it just it just tends to happen, particularly in Eastern cultures mm-hmm. where it's. Um, you know, there's a patriarchal kind of society. So, you know, as long as the patriarchs are around, everyone reports to him. So those are the kinds of things you that we see. And so governance would be our word for it. But but we would we would talk about having a, a board that that uh, we would talk about accountability. Uh, we would ask questions of who, you know, to a to a founder or to a, mm-hmm. a organization president, you know, who, who can tell you no. Yeah. Yeah, and be, sometimes you you all you get is a blank look back. <laughs> but but so it's really a, it's and, and business is the same way. A young person starting a business, my advice is get you a get you a group of advisors, people that are willing to speak into you and your life and and, and your business. It's the same in ministry. Um, you, you just need that accountability, and often these these strong leaders end up without it, and that that's a that's a real risk in today's world. In any yeah. any time, probably. No, that's right. Um, so uh, I am sure, you know, SRG is every year making these grants and distributions. Um, and to use a baseball analogy, I'm sure you don't bat 100 when it comes to picking ministry partners uh, on the ground, that I'm sure there's some investments that, that are made, just like in a mutual fund, right, that don't experience yep. maybe the ROI you had hoped for. Um, so what, what, what have you learned uh, along the way about picking the right ministry partners? From your failures, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd say that the good news is with with good due diligence, um, you can avoid disasters. I mean, we, we we don't have any any disasters of you know of real impropriety or cons or any of that sort of thing. Uh, I, I often say um, the the worst that we're doing is a lot of good things. That's sort of the worst, but but that's not what we that's not what our brand promise is. Our, our brand promise is that that these kinds of investments will be more than the sum of the parts. You know, if you if you fund a strategy, then things are connected and you yeah. have more impact. And so, what you find um, is particularly over time, you know, parts of the strategy you may have filled it with a certain ministry partner. And then something, someone else, someone, another organization emerges that quite honestly is just doing it better. And yeah. so um, letting, letting some things go because there's something better is uh, we, we try to do it with respect. Uh, we don't just you know cut people off because we know that they're trying to run organizations. So we do it 
we do it relationally. It usually take our, you know, a year or two to do it with, with uh, advance notice. And at the same time, you know, one of the things that's happened, you know, because we've been doing it so long and have these relationships, you know, capacity building has become an important part of what we do. So rather than just look at a, a ministry and say, well, they're not accomplishing all that we think they should. So we're going to move on. We say, what could we help them improve so that they can reach their potential? Mm-hmm. And that might be some of the things I already mentioned, governance. It might be, you know, their, their accounting it might be simple stuff like, well, it's not yeah. but important, you know, their financial systems. Uh, it might be getting them certain kinds of training around media or uh, internet usage. So, so we don't just stop. I mean, so, I mean, oftentimes we do stop, uh, but sometimes it's what can we do to make them better? Yeah. Um, I guess the thing I would add to that is when you're in, again, this is, I guess, somewhat Eastern. Um, it's very relational culture and there's a tendency to want to just give everybody a little, mm. you know, take the money and spread it around and just be be, do a general good for everyone. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, some would argue that's what we should do. Uh, our argument would be it's not terribly strategic. So we, we, although it's a great temptation and we fall into it as well, we're, we're always trying to, to ask the hard questions is, mm-hmm. you know, is it scalable? Is it strategic? Is it accomplishing its goal? Um, which means with, you know, with respect and love, you, you, you stop doing things. Um, but it's hard. You're right. It's hard. I mean, expectations are hard to manage. Yeah, uh, I get it. Um, so, you know, you've already mentioned that you guys are doing, you know, where you're investing is in the greater Middle East. Um, and so for people in America, you know, the greater Middle East seems what, what they see on the nightly news, right, which is a mess. Uh, so yeah. they think of it as messy, dangerous, all these things. But uh, I'm sure beyond just hearing reports from the greater Middle East, you've personally traveled there. Uh, I guess, what would you want people to know about what God is actually doing in that part of the world? Oh gosh. I mean, that, that's, that's such a, that's such a, <laughs> a long list. You know, I mean, I guess it was sort of lots of things, you know, the Middle East isn't, isn't one place. That's you know, the fir- first thing I would say. It ranges from the wealth of Dubai to the poverty and struggle of Yemen you know, to the um, to theocratic rule in Iran, you know, this power driven. I mean, it's just um, but but yet highly educated and and and, um, and and very creative. It's just it's just every place is so different. Um, and, and and you really have to dive in to understand. Well, you don't have to go very far, but they're, they're very different. So it's not one place. The, the, the second is is. Um, you know, it's, it's probably a, a more, honestly, more loving and hospitable culture than ours. You know, I mean, the Western culture is, has a nice front, but it's hard to go deep. Um, sort of the opposite in a lot of ways, the Middle East is sort of a hard front, but the relationships are deep and the hospitality and, and the care for one another is, is pretty incredible. Um, and they have the same desires that we have, you know, care for their families and live a good life and and do good in, in their world. Um, but you know, they're, they're trapped in a, in a religion that was a very, is a very controlling religion and one that where you're traditionally not even allowed to ask questions. 
Um, I mean, you know, it's in some ways punishable to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the world's changed. The internet's changed that. The, 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 the Middle East in general, almost every country, you know, the average age is something, you know, below 30. It's crazy. Um, so there's a lot of youth and a lot of energy wanting to understand their world and they see a bigger world now. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, and they're, they're a lot like our youth. They, they, they challenge the status quo. And, yeah, they don't necessarily accept what their parents told them or what their parents generation. Right. Told. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it has a hard exterior and, and it has ex- extremes in it, but by and large, you know, good people. That's good. Uh, so, you know, you're a board chair. So um, uh, what is, how do you see the role of a board chair? You're not the executive director and you're not just a board member or a donor. So yeah. What, what is in your mind, a good board chair is supposed to be doing? I'd say two, two primary responsibilities. Um, and, and a lot of it also depends on the status of the organization. You know, mm-hmm. So we're a relatively new organization, so there's different challenges versus an old establishment. But two primary responsibilities, um, good governance, uh, kind of the things I talked about with other organizations, we have to do ourselves. Are, 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 we, do we, are we accountable? Do we um, handle the donor's finances well? Is there, a lot, is there good visibility? Uh, do we have outside sources looking at us to to validate what we we're doing, what we say we're doing. So just, just good, high character governance. Um, And that's, that's not complicated. Um, It can sometimes be hard if things are are not going that way, but, but if you have, if you shoot for integrity and character governance becomes, it take, it almost takes care of itself. You have to good processes, but so governance is one. And the other is, is protecting the mission. You know what? What is the, what is the mission of the organization, and and making sure that you don't see mission drift. Hmm. You know, I don't know if you've read Peter Greer's book on yeah. called, called Mission Drift. It's you know that's a risk, uh, particularly of organizations after they've been around a while. Uh, it's also a risk of of organizations that don't have a strong leadership team. The founder, you know, just does the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and. If I, you say you don't even, you can't even tell what the mission is because you've become so wide and and thin. So yeah, governance and mission drift are are really or mission protecting the mission are the two big ones for me. Yeah, well, you, you know, you are an organization, so you guys have to do your own donor development. You know, you're looking for high capacity givers who share a passion and vision with the organization. So how how does SRG find the next high capacity giver? That's yeah, a it's a great question, um, and I think every fundraiser would yeah have to know that there's we have a great secret and and we'll share it. <laughs> um, it in the end, it well I'd say in the beginning, it was finding a group of of like minded people that would take a chance, um, and and that was a, a fairly small group, maybe a half dozen um, that that got the, the vision and the model. Hmm. And then it moves to kind of traditional fundraising where you just look for um, somewhat out there cold calling, if you will. Yeah. 
trying to pitch, which which really doesn't work very well. Yeah. <laughs> quite honestly, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of all you can do, but it doesn't work. I mean, it, maybe it works to a degree, but but after about 10 years, what we began to see is the, the strongest development tool we have are referrals. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we, that's really where they come from today is people hearing the story or being friends with another giver and, and them that giver telling the story. Yeah. And, and so, so really we're just extending invitations to people to join the partnership and we're willing to tell the story it's really not sales in the sense of trying to convince people of anything. You know, you really think it's God's job to do that, hmm. but it's been, um, it's been really amazing to see how the referrals work and people um, not, not completely out of the blue because they, they usually have some connection, but, but no one we had on a list, I guess I would say that yeah. way. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, God, God has, you know, of course you hear this all the time, but, you know, God has all the resources he needs to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He's, he's just entrusted it to a lot of believers that don't quite know how to get from point A to point B. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And when they hear a story, that's something scalable, um, that, you know, big, big givers want to jump in because it's hard to give large amounts of money. Yeah. And, and SRG is not the only model. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of collaborative giving. So you know, things like the India Collaborative and mm-hmm. uh, EGCC, the uh, European uh, EG, Asian Great Commission Collaborative. Um, those are, you know, the three of those are the ones I promote all the time. I, I invite people into the collaboration. No, that's good. Um, well, and I, I can't let our conversation go by without uh, making sure our listeners know uh the impact you've had on my life by introducing me to your daughter, Chloe. Um, so you and I met a few years ago and um, uh, you, you were nice enough to talk about your daughter who was graduating with a communications degree. And, uh, and now she's uh, moving a lot of things forward in the world. A lot of good things uh, through her work uh, with our clients at Roundtree. So uh, your referral was very powerful. <laughs> well, well you, you helped her out in college just showing her, you know, what an agency looks like, what a marketing firm would look like. Uh, you know, you're after that, it was really you, you pursuing her and, fi- and finding what you needed, but she's, uh, <laughs> you know, she's of the four kids, she's participated more in the middle East and SRG than anyone. She's, she's pretty knowledgeable about the region yeah. and missions as a whole. Um, and very passionate. So, which I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> you should be. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, going back to connecting these things, uh, referral is the most powerful form of marketing. You know, uh, if your friends come, if you, your friends at church on Sunday talk about this great place they ate at yesterday, well, immediately you're more likely to go. So uh, it really, yeah. So even in the donor world, you know, we're all trying to buy list and put ad here and all that. That's all great and good. And there's a place for it. But at the end of the day, you, you need uh, donors to become ambassadors. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a big deal for us. Um, you know, and we, one of the, one of the beauties of SRG is it's, it's not a large community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's there are 40, 45 
families, groups involved, and we're very high service. And so it's a, it's a, there's a, there's a camaraderie there, relationship, um, and pretty high touch. So yeah, that helps as well. Okay. No, that makes sense. Well, good, man. Well, Jeff, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy, uh, but it's sure always uh, enjoy talking with you. You bet. Well, I'm happy to do it. I'm glad you're promoting the idea of generosity and, um, and collaborative models. That's, that's very encouraging to me, too. Wow. Really enjoyed talking with Jeff. As, as it came out in our conversation, you probably discovered uh, Jeff uh, and I have a mutual connection in the form of his daughter, who's one of the key employees here at Roundtree. Uh, Chloe, his daughter, that is. And so anyways, I'll always be thankful to Jeff uh, for introducing me uh, to Chloe. But what a great conversation for us to learn from, uh, especially just this idea of collaboration. Uh, SRG is a great model of uh, using a model from the for-profit world and bringing it into a nonprofit of this mutual fund uh, model. So in any case, I hope you benefited from it. I know I enjoyed it. And as always, do us a favor, if you would, go to your streaming service, uh, like us, share us, review us. We appreciate it and look forward to having you back here again for our next episode of Next Donor. If you want to learn more about growing donor relationships through strategic communications, make sure you visit roundtreeagency.com. See you again soon.